Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses. So any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks and enjoy the show. Chapter 3 The Old Gentleman Part 4 When Bobby showed Mother the list he had written, Mother laughed. It was a laugh, Bobby decided, though it was rather odd and feeble. Nonsense, said Mother, laying in bed with eyes as bright as beads. I can't afford all that rubbish. Tell Mrs. Viney to boil two pounds of scrag end of the neck for your dinners tomorrow, and I can have some of the broth. Yes, I should like some more water now, love. And will you get a basin and sponge my hands? Roberta obeyed. When she had done everything she could, to make Mother less uncomfortable, she went down to the others. Her cheeks were very red, her lips set tight, and her eyes almost as bright as Mother's. She told them what the doctor had said and what Mother had said. And now, said she, when she had told all, there's no one but us to do anything, and we've got to do it. I've got the shilling for the mutton. We can do without the beastly mutton, said Peter. Bread and butter will support life. People have lived on less on desert islands many a time. Of course said his sister, and Mrs. Viney was sent to the village to get as much brandy and soda water and beef tea as she could buy for a shilling. But even if we never have anything to eat at all, said Phyllis, you can't get all those other things with our dinner money. No, said Bobby, frowning. We must find out some other way. Now think, everybody, just as hard as ever you can. They did think, and presently they talked, and later, when Bobby had gone up to sit with Mother in case she wanted anything, the other two were very busy with scissors and a white sheet and a paintbrush and the pot of Brunswick black that Mrs. Viney used for grates and fenders. They did not manage to do what they wished exactly with the first sheet, so they took another out of the linen cupboard. It did not occur to them that they were spoiling good sheets which cost good money. They only knew that they were making a good, but what they were making comes later. Bobby's bed had been moved into Mother's room, and several times in the night she got up to mend the fire and to give her mother milk and soda water. Mother talked to herself a good deal, but it did not seem to mean anything. And once she woke up suddenly and called out, Mama! Mama! And Bobby knew she was calling for Granny, and that she had forgotten it was no use calling because Granny was dead. In the early morning, Bobby heard her name and jumped out of bed and ran to Mother's bedside. Oh, ah, yes. I think I was asleep, said Mother. My poor little duck, how tired you'll be. I do hate to give you all this trouble. Trouble, said Bobby. Ah, don't cry, sweet, Mother said. I shall be all right in a day or two. And Bobby said yes and tried to smile. When you are used to ten hours of solid sleep, to get up three or four times in your sleep time makes you feel as though you had been up all night. Bobby felt quite stupid, and her eyes were sore and stiff, but she tidied the room and arranged everything neatly before the doctor came. This was at half-past eight. Everything going on all right, little nurse, he said at the front door. Did you get the brandy? I've got the brandy, said Bobby, in a little flat bottle. I don't see the grapes or the beef tea, though, said he. No, said Bobby firmly, but you will tomorrow, and there's some beef stewing in the oven for beef tea. Who told you to do all that? he asked. I noticed what Mother did when Phil had mumps. Right, said the doctor. Now you get your old woman to sit with your mother, and then you eat a good breakfast and go straight to bed and sleep till dinner time. We can't afford to have the head nurse ill. He was really quite a nice doctor. 
When the 9.15 came out of the tunnel that morning, the old gentleman in the first-class carriage put down his newspaper and got ready to wave his hand to the three children on the fence. But this morning, there were not three. There was only one, and that was Peter. Peter was not on the railings either, as usual. He was standing in front of them in an attitude like that of a showman, showing off the animals in a menagerie, or of the kind clergyman when he points with a wand at these scenes from Palestine, when there is a magic lantern and he is explaining it. Peter was pointing too, and what he was pointing at was a large white sheet nailed against the fence. On the sheet there were thick black letters more than a foot long. Some of them had run a little, because of Phyllis having put the Brunswick black on too eagerly, but the words were quite easy to read. And this was what the old gentleman and several other people in the train read in the large black letters on the white sheet. Look out at the station. Thanks for joining us today. Check us out on Patreon. You can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses. Your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires and helps keep this show alive and growing. If you can't afford to support us financially, go give us a good review, subscribe or follow, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to fact check us and offer suggestions to make our show better for you. You can also send us an email at lostinrevisionpodcast at gmail.com. There's a lot more waiting for us all at the end of the road.